mastering your emotions so you can be a safe space for the feminine mm, is yes. actually to me the art of masculinity so i would think it means two things to me one it's always like in the eye of the beholder so realize that it's okay to have a different view than somebody else two it's always being created and recreated uh i i think it means an openness to growth an openness to learning an openness to looking at what is masculinity in me and having curiosity about what parts are serving me and what parts maybe aren't serving me so well anymore. And so the art of masculinity is truly that. If you can master being a lion and a lamb, you've mastered masculinity. The art of masculinity to me means knowing how to gracefully dance between both the feminine flow and the structure of the masculine. This is The Art of Masculinity with your host, Johnny Elsasser. Hey everyone, my guest today is Tyron Mowbray. He is a masculinity, sexuality, and relationship mentor. He has studied in occult cosmology and mystery schools, yoga and tantra in India, Buddhism in Europe, and traveled profusely around the world, learning, studying, and exploring the inner workings of his own mind and human behavior. He brings all this knowledge and wisdom through his Australian upbringing with light and humor and makes wild spiritual concepts relatable and easy to digest from his younger days as a bricklayer and having to keep things simple. Tyron is also a playboy, Australian football player, minor, was locked up, had brushes with the law and bikers, and was involved in drugs. He has learned not only to understand himself, but balance the more adrenaline-filled life with spirituality and connection. He really does a great job being able to make this relatable for all of us because he has seen very many spectrums of masculinity that he has actually lived and experienced in his own life. So for a lot of guys out there, you're going to find a lot of connection with Tyron because he actually was in places where men either get caught up for most of their lives and never traverse out of or men who have never really experienced a lot of different things in the sense of adrenaline, but have been more on the Tantra and spiritual side of things. So he's able to really connect the dots for all of the men, kind of bringing them through these different spectrums of life and navigating that and making everything relatable. So I really, really enjoyed the conversation with Tyron. He's a special human being and definitely full of vigor and life and really truly is out there seeking to help men better themselves so they can really have a connected and happy life. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I'll see you guys around the corner. All right, everyone, welcome back to the art of masculinity. Today we have Tyron Mowbray. Mowbray? Mowbray? Mowbray. Is Mowbray. it Bray? Yeah. Mowbray. Mowbray. He's Australian. Uh, and <laughs> I speak English, not Australian. So no, just kidding. <laughs> it's cool. You speak American. Yeah, I speak American. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, man. I'm, you and I got connected uh, a little while back, dude, and I've been so excited to have you on. You're just uh, an amazing men's leader in the space, but also you have a lot more to your background to offer men. So I'm just excited to jam out with you today and it's a morning for you. So we got, you know, Tyron up at seven 30 on this podcast cause he's out in Australia and it's actually Thursday for him. So he's rounding out his week right now. How's everything going this morning, brother? 
Yeah, good, man. I uh, woke up at five, went for my, you know, morning run workout with my weight vest on down at the bars and swim in the ocean and breakfast. So, nah, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go, man. I love it, brother. I love it, man. Do you do any, uh, do you do any like breath work or do you do any, um, like meditation in the morning to kick your day off? Yeah. And we, I'm a part of a, a little group down here called Brotherhood Gold Coast. And we, Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday mornings, we do, uh, 45 minute workout, uh, 10 minute breath work, uh, 10 minute meditation. And we do a little connection exercise as a part of a men's group. So yeah, that's how I spend most days starting, but, um, yeah, usually breath work down the beach after a workout, get all tingly and buzzy and get ready for the day. Super dope, brother. How many, how many guys are in that group? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, it changes. It's, so it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a, it's like a group training, uh, uh, thing that the guys or one guy organized there's 60 members i think in total we normally get about 25 to 30 per session so yeah it's good yeah that's super dope man oh to all of our guys out there just just showing you how powerful it is to be part of those men's group when you oh. know men who are leaders are joining in a man you got to have them around you oh mate it's more important than anything else in the world i think is to have other like peers peers mentors and heroes the three things that i think we all need as men you know we need peers to experience life with we need mentors to ask questions and gain insights we need heroes to aspire to be you know like i think um mm. yeah that's a big one that's super dope yeah i love that man that's actually a, a really good way to view it too well before mm. we get uh get rocking and rolling here i'm gonna put you through the manly round you ready for some quick fire Ooh. questions all right let's do it <laughs> All right, brother. Your first question is what is your spirit animal and why? The bumblebee. Um, because, uh, I like to go to many flowers to, uh, to get the honey. <laughs> <laughs> so good, man. I love that. I love that. All right. What song, whenever you hear it, no matter where you are, do you absolutely just have to start singing along with? So you could have like, a hundred thousand people around you, but that song comes on and Tyron's just busting out. I mean, there's a lot, but it was quite funny. Yesterday we were doing our training session and Celine Dion um, came on and we were in the middle of a heavy <laughs> workout and Celine Dion, my heart will go on, came on and I was just belting it out in the middle of the bar session. So uh, let's just stick with Celine Dion, my heart will go on for now. I love that, dude. I love that. That's why I love that question. Cause some guys get this, just a random one. And then every guy yeah. listening is like, fuck bro. Like I couldn't, I'd have to sing that too. If that came up. Yeah. 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 The list is long. Let's be honest. But that's definitely the most. Recent. Yeah. That's dope, man. I love that one. All right. Yeah. And, um, what is something that no matter who does it, it could be the coolest person in the world. Maybe one of your mentors or heroes, but no matter who does it, what's an action that if they did it, they would just look absolutely ridiculous. Like nobody looks cool doing it. <laughs> um, oh, uh, oh, that's a, that's got me, that's got me stuck. Um, what's an action that no matter who does it, it looks ridiculous. Um, yeah, this is, this is so typically male. Um, but I think the, the helicopter, <laughs> You know, when you, when you swing your dick around in circles and you turn, <laughs> I don't think it matters how educated or pristine you are. You do the helicopter, you look like a dick. 
Oh my God, dude. I will do that sometimes just to mess with my wife. And she's like, yeah, still not sexy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It just doesn't work. It never works. Nope. Nope. That's a good one. I love that one. All right. And your last one is, your last one is, if you could pull a prank on anybody, so you could time travel, they could be dead or alive. They just have to be somebody who's really well known. So for the most part, everybody around the world would know who they are. If you could pull a prank on anybody, who would it be on? And if you know the prank, what would it be? Mm. Um, oof. Oof. There's so many thoughts coming through. Um, the <laughs> first hit I had was Tesla, was Tesla like the real, the real Tesla. Um, Nikola Tesla was back then. I don't know what the prank would be, but yeah, that was the first one. But the second one was Jesus. I got no idea what that prank would be. I think it'd be really, I'd go take a glass of water to him when he was out in the desert. Oh, for that 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, yeah. God, I'm a oh, dark dude, man. You're, you're not, you, dude, you're not the first to pull Jesus into this one. So <laughs> good. good to know. And, uh, but Nikolai Tesla would be a fun one. Yeah, I don't know what that prank would be, but he would definitely mm. be a good one to pull a prank on. Uh, yeah, because he's if he's so it, rational brother. and logical, be good. Mm. Yeah, I love it, brother. You did really well, man. I I, I <laughs> applaud you for uh, the Thank manly you. round. <laughs> so, you. you and I were talking a little bit about your background, and mm. we, you know, everybody got to hear your intro before this episode kicked off. But I want to dive a little bit into it from your own words because you were the quintessential like kind of fuck around dudes, dude. You had like, you played games. You, you were a party dude. You were social. You had a very uh, blue collar background mm. and you went to some really dark depths before you turned the corner. Mm. What was that like being in those moments and coming from that background a little bit? Uh, let everybody know, maybe even dive into a couple of those pieces, but what was that like being there and then looking back at him now and see and seeing mm. that from your current perspective. Mm. I'll start from the, from the end and work my way forward. So seeing him now, I have compassion for him, you know, like mm. uh, seeing this, this, this 18, 19, 20, all the way up to about 27 when I had my breakdown, I just had compassion for that man. Cause he was so not even man for that boy. He was just so lost, man. He just had, he had no, mentors or heroes in his life you know like he had no direction he was just constantly driving in a direction that he thought he needed to go in order to get love from his environment and that environment was the men around him uh women his parents society you know all all those things um so i look back and i just i just have compassion you know and and sadness like i know i shouldn't have sadness but i actually have sadness for for the for the boy uh, that was trying to be a man um, so yeah. And then, you know, I had my breakdown. I was 27 years old. I had, um, the bikies after me over here in Australia. Um, cause I'd been involved with some, some really not healthy aspects because again, I was trying to win. I was trying to get success. I was trying to get something, um, predominantly money, you know, money had a big attachment to success. The more money you had, the more successful you were. So, um, I went mm -hmm. down some dark paths trying to gain money and, um, you know, and then, I realized that I put my whole family in jeopardy, you know, like they, they were coming over, threatening me. My girlfriend was living with me. They were coming to the house. Um, and, and I realized that like a man should be creating a safe environment for his family. And I mean, I don't have kids or anything, but it was still like my dogs, my girlfriend, they were my family and my friends and my family. And um, 
yeah, so I, you know, that was that was a big turning point. That was a big crack of a realization of like, you think you're a good man, but you're not doing anything to create a good environment around you. Um, and it still took a little while for me to actually crack all the way through because I refused to take responsibility for it. I was still trying to put the blame on others as to why it happened. Oh, he snitched or he did that or blah, blah, blah. And it was like, if you hadn't fucking got, gone there in the first place, nothing would have happened, you know? But I still mm-hmm. refused to take responsibility for another year um, until, uh, until I was in Thailand and I went for a mate's wedding. And the idea was to like go there, spend a month on my own, do some Muay Thai, do some scuba diving, go to the wedding, but really just sort my shit out because I knew I was upset. And basically, I spent a week on my own doing Muay Thai. I went to the wedding and then I just got fucked up for three weeks with my mates. You know, I jumped out of a speedboat at 80 mile an hour going in between islands in Thailand um, and, you know, spent three weeks basically sleeping on the floor of my mate's hotel room for two hours and get up and do the whole full moon party all over again. And, and then everyone left and I cracked and I realized I had a big come down. You know, I realized I didn't like the man I was like, I came to Thailand for, with this commitment of Muay training and scuba diving and sorting my shit out. And the moment the opportunity came up to get drunk with my mates, everything else went out the window. You know, um, mm. I nearly got arrested in Thailand for putting a false claim in or like I've lost all my shit. So I was trying to try to make an insurance claim. The cops found out and then they, you know, anyway, it was, it was a terrible, terrible time. Wow, man. Um, just spiraling. Yeah. Yeah. And I just cracked and I was just like, you are a piece of shit, you know? And that's what I had to get to. I had to get to this realization that, um, I didn't like the man that I was presenting to the world. So, you know, and, and what created that was just like, yeah, I was, you know, 17, 18, I was at school. You get, you get laid for the first time, you get a pat on the shoulder from the boys. So you're like, oh, well, if I do this, I get rewarded. Right. So I'm going to try to do more of this. And then, you know, it's just that, that, that dynamic of um, being in a, we play Aussie rules over here, obviously in Australia. And so the you know, football club, but it'd be no different to your NFL, you know, college teams and stuff. There's yeah. this, debaucherous mentality of like it's a men's circle right it's great men are trying to fit in but unfortunately it has this really unhealthy dichotomy of like unhealthy competition there's healthy competition don't get me wrong where men drive each other to to push further to become more it's beautiful yeah but when it comes at the expense of honor and integrity and brotherhood that's when that's when it starts to get really unhealthy. And that's when the term toxic masculinity comes from. It's, you know, I don't believe it's toxic masculinity. It's just toxic behavior. But um, yeah. we, we, we bounce off each other, you know? And so I, just, I had this association of, oh, well, when I do this, this, and this, I get rewarded or I get support or encouragement from my mates, from my peers. So I'm just going to keep doing those things. And what happens if I amplify them? I get more love. All right, well, I'll amplify them again. And it just, it snowballed, like you said. So, you know, the, the drunker I got, the more debaucherous the stories, the crazier the parties, the, the weirder shit, you know, um, the, the, the more love I perceived that I was getting. And so the more I did it. Well, you, and you were like, like for, for all intents and purposes, when I look at your background, you were the guy that all the guys looked at and wanted to be around for the party. You were the guy that wasn't scared to go into a group of chicks. You were the guy that would take chicks home. You were the guy that would play the fuck around games. Like you did all that stuff. And so like you were kind of, you were that alpha that a lot of men were like, that's a dude's dude. And then you had this moment where you're like, this is all fucked. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I used to run around with toilet paper and my bum on fire and, you know, do the helicopter, like I was saying, and all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, because I, I, I realized one of two things, my dad taught me uh, how to not feel shame, right? Like he, he was, my dad, I love him. Um, is an English soccer hooligan that grew up in Australia, right? So that gives you some idea of the type of man he is. Not very good with feelings and, yeah. and emotions, but would, would never let anyone put him down. And so my transmission from my dad was like, how do I not let someone put me down? And it was to always blow myself up to be bigger than the shame that they were or the, the, the whatever they were trying to project onto me. And mm. so, you know, whenever anyone called me gay, whenever anyone called me weak, whenever anyone ever called me scared, Rather than go into the, the like, oh, I'm, I'm small, I would just be like, well, fuck you. And I would blow myself up. So you call me scared, I'll go do something outrageously, you know, challenging. If you call me uh, gay, I'll grab your dick and like, you know, go, come on then, come on. And, you know, like I would, I would blow myself up to be bigger than the shame someone would express. And that became a, a habit wow. and a pattern, um, which, which was helpful in the way like it stopped me from feeling recluse and small but when that becomes yeah. the pattern when that becomes who i am and i identify as that um i'm not allowing myself to actually feel whatever i'm feeling and and actually be authentic i'm just i'm just responding f- from a reactive place mm, yeah and it's so crazy because i never thought of that until you just brought that up that was a great revelation of, of like what men do in that role of going, you're like, Oh yeah, you're going to call me out on it. I'm not going to be shameful and and be timid. I'm going to go even bigger than that. So then Mm. there's no question that, you know, you're fucking stupid and I'm just, I'm just going to blow that up. Wow, man. That's, and how many guys are out there that just live in that mindset? Right. So many, it was just the extremes, right? I see it says people either contract and close. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. And we see that with all the nice guys, you know, all these these men that are afraid of being men, they contract, they get told off. So they contract and they close and they, now they're very timid, but then you get the other side, the ones like me and maybe you were, and I know a lot of other guys, like sports guys, and I mean, they, they blow themselves up and all of a sudden that's where the unhealthy competition comes. That's where, that's where the really unhealthy behavior starts mm. to, to gyrate and, and dance and, and they, they bounce off each other and it becomes bigger and bigger. Who can be louder who can be more debaucherous who can fuck more women who can drink more piss who can have more shots more drugs more more and it just envelopes Mm. Mm. yeah man oh that's so good and you talk about like guys being uh kind of timid to even be men and i want to dive into this because there's a big piece to this wrapped around emotions and wrapped around men's sexuality and we're taught that, you know, a lot of our emotions and even diving into our own sexuality as men is a feminine trait inherently. And we're, and God forbid, if we're permitted to share that with our brothers, right? Um, I want to dive into that because that's one of your areas of large areas of expertise that you have. And when you're working with men, what are you seeing the most that men are blocking themselves from even opening that door for emotions and sexuality? So I'll, I'll frame it up the way that I, like I'll just give you a frame to kind of, this is the way I understand masculinity. And I think it, it'll be helpful for a lot of men because everyone talks about masculine or feminine uh, a lot. And I don't, I, I yeah. do believe it. I do believe the whole world is masculine, feminine. We have masculine, we have feminine. But the moment you make sexuality or emotions feminine, 
it's going to be really hard for any man to want to even look at it, right? Because we, mm. we have a, so, a social conditioning to be men and to be masculine. So I, I, there's, a, there's a deeper map here, but I'm just going to share part of it with you. Rather than viewing feminine as emotions and sexuality and sensuality and feelings and men as firmness and strength, I look at masculinity in two forms, like a light aspect and a dark. And a dark is like uh, embodiment right a dark is matter it's like uh everything that it, it exists in the body so sensuality emotions power aggressiveness all those types of things and then light which is like consciousness so that's awareness compassion softness um and so i view masculinity like this right there's a light and there's a dark um and this helped me understand that oh masculinity is not one thing masculinity is a is a spectrum and i can dance between the two and so when I, when I view masculinity like that, it makes emotions less uh, scary. It's, it doesn't make emotions feminine. It makes emotions emotions. And viewed through a masculine frame, like I love watching um, revenge movies, right? Like, you know, the, 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 mm -hmm. the, the, guy, the guy whose wife yeah. died and he's so hurt and, you know, and he's a, he would be a dark masculine character, right? This man that's just like hell-bent on revenge and blah, blah, blah. Do you think that man doesn't have emotion? Do you think that man is not, not, doesn't like he, he is driven by his emotion to avenge his wife's yep. death, right? Like he's literally driven by emotion, but we think he's absent of emotion and it couldn't be further mm -hmm. from the truth, right? His emotion is what's driving. His emotion is so intense. He doesn't care about the result of his action, right? He doesn't care if he dies. And, and so, you know, I like to view, um, this dark masculine, which is actually the one that penetrates the world, that is, you know, protects people, that is powerful and aggressive, they're driven by emotion. The unhealthy version of it is they don't give a fuck what happens about their actions. You know, they don't care if the whole world burns. Now, that's an unhealthy aspect. Um, but, you know, yeah. the light masculine, he's the one that has compassion, has softness, can sit, is the observer you know, that's the Jesus would be the, that archetype. You know, he was absent his emotions. He could observe it from a distance. He could zoom out and go, oh, look at this. I, it is a part of me, but it's not all of me. And so mm. when, I, when I view masculinity through that frame, it gives me more permission to be able to go, well, when, what type of man do I want to be in this moment? You know, mm -hmm. is, it, is it time to hold space? Is it time to be present? Is it time to allow someone to feel and I don't have to do anything? Or is it a time to take action and take movement and embodiment and do something? So mm. that's the, that's the lens I like to view masculinity through. And so, yeah, with emotions, like having that emotions and sexuality is more dark. And because of the negative connotation that the world has seen from men in that space, you know, rape, sexual assault, um, murder, thieving, all that type of stuff that it, now the dark masculine energy or this, you know, this really dense has a lot of projection of pain and negativity. And so a lot of men are scared to go there. And so mm. what I see is like bringing men into their body and giving them permission um, and giving them conscious awareness of, you know, emotions are good and they drive action. And you need to be able to reflect on what happened and go, okay, this wasn't good. I'm going to change this, but, but not to disconnect from it. So I see a lot of men either disconnected from their, their power, their sex, their, their animalistic primal part, um, or men disconnected from consciousness because they think that's too soft or too light or too fairy. Like, you know, it's, it's soft, it's gentle, it's too feminine. But actually the integration of the two is the, is the, the 
to greater man or the powerful man that can then, you know, be connected to his heart mm. and take action. So that's kind of, yeah, brother, that's, that's so beautifully said, man. And I love the, I love the depiction of having that light and dark um, because I think there, I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a balance of masculinity that flows in between both areas. I don't think it necessarily has to just be deemed that something soft is automatically feminine. I don't necessarily mm. agree with that mindset as mm. well either. Um, mm. But being a man who really came from the epitome of, of what men were quote unquote supposed to be like, right? Mm. How did you, um, I, we know that you had your break, but what was maybe before you became into this enlightened, more enlightened version of yourself, what was uh, like the, I would say the most tangible bridge or mm. the, the easiest bridge that you found in your life that helped you to start to see things differently? Oof. Um, well, there was a moment of realization. I was working in the mines out in Western Australia, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And I was already no, depressed. Thank you. Yeah, I was already depressed. You know, the bikers had come. I'd lost my missus. I'd lost my wife, uh, my girlfriend, my house, my dog. So I was already in a really bad state. And then to go out there around a bunch of other dudes and, you know, uh, it's a very unhealthy dichotomy out there as well. Um, I, I was jerking off to porn four times a day. And mm. I remember trying to masturbate to porn with, uh, without porn and I couldn't get an erection. I was 27 years old. And that was this wow. moment of like, that, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not no. okay. You know, no. 27. Not at all. You can't get it. an erection without porn. That's not okay. So that, that was like a, that was a critical moment. That was a tangible realization of like something that I wanted to change. Um, and so, you know, I, I went cold turkey for a little while and I, you know, seven days later had a wet dream and it kind of rebooted my system a little bit. And that took me into a path of like, okay, I remember hearing this thing called Tantra and, and yoga and the Kama Sutra. And I was like, you know, it's always this sexuality piece, which I'd always been interested, interested by, but afraid because as a man, I didn't want to be seen as a deviant or a, you know, predator or whatever. But, um, you know, eventually I, I just went, I just went along. I bought a one-way ticket to Europe. I quit my life for a little while and I just went exploring and I was still too afraid to talk to anyone about this sexuality piece because I was just, it was, it was the biggest one for me to, to, to bring to the surface. Um, and anyway, I ended up going on a bunch of retreats and, you know, ceremonies and, you know, all those things and learned and spoken. But when I realized that I could experience complete, how do I, how do I word it? Um, basically, when I could realize I could have a non-ejaculatory orgasm, that was a moment when I was like, my life is never going to be the same. Like, I, I don't, I don't even know what's going to happen, but I just had one of the most profound experiences of my life. The best pleasure I've ever experienced. And I'd had a lot of pleasure and, and mm -hmm. it, 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 it reframed and repatterned everything that I thought I knew. And so then I became this beginner again. I was like, well, if that wasn't real, like if everything that I knew up until that point wasn't actually real or the truth, it wasn't the whole truth, what else is, is not real. And so that just sent me on a path of, I just, I just, now I just want to, I just need to learn. I just want to explore. I just fucking, there's nothing I don't, I know right now. And so that was the mm. moment I became a beginner, beginner in masculinity again, a beginner in life. Mm. Dude, that is so cool to hear. 
And I, I kind of want to take you down that path as well as like giving men permission to be students again. Like I, I, so many men, I don't know when it is in life that we're, we have this expectation that, you know, we can never learn again. We're supposed to know everything, <laughs> Yeah. but talk a little bit about that. And, and still, you still are such a humble student in your practice of everything. And you have a, a wide breadth of, of things that you are actually very good at, but you're still a humble student. Talk about that a little bit for guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have, um, I've never been diagnosed, but I reckon I have ADHD a little bit, you know, like I can't sit still in one thing for too long, you know? Um, it's probably the hardest thing about trying to run a business and a company is like, I want to do this and this and this. And my team's like, no, 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 no. Let's go back to plan one. We made three weeks ago. Let's stick to this thing. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, um, apart, apart from that, it's like, well, it's all about identity, right? Like every, every, and Tony Robbins and a lot of lead thinkers will, will talk about this stuff. It's like every problem that you have in your life is wrapped around who you think you are. And, mm. and because there's so much stuff around men and masculinity and like being a leader and being on mission and you should do this and do that. It's like, well, we are kind of fed the belief that we should know what to do sexually. We have fed like fed the belief that we should know what to do physically, emotionally, spiritually, how to provide for a family, you know, but actually education at school doesn't teach you any of that. It teaches you maths, English, nope. science, and very poorly as well. You know, like not, I don't remember too much of the stuff yeah. I learned at school. Um, no, so where do we learn know. it from? No. So where do we learn it from? Right. We, well, we don't, we, we, we're constantly taking in information. There's so much information, but we got to try and make decisions for ourselves. Um, the most powerful thing I ever did was write down my five core values, you know, honesty. All right. Mm. What does the honesty mean to me though? Telling the truth in all situations and not withholding and also not withholding truth in, in certain circumstances, you know? So like, that's what honesty meant to me. You know, I wrote down five values and it was like, well, now whenever issues come up in life, that's if I get down to, if I can't make a choice, I, I read them and then I make a decision based on my core values. But it was all about who, who I am. So I was like, well, if I don't know if who I am has created this shit life for me, this life that I'm unhappy with, how do I break it down? So, you know, I went and lived in a tent for three months walking across Europe. I went and lived in Buddhist monasteries. I walked a thousand kilometers across Spain on a, on a pilgrimage. Um, wow. I lived in Iceland in the middle of winter, like four hours of daylight a day for a whole month. You know, it's fucking crazy. Um, I went and became a yoga teacher, yoga, te uh, yoga teacher. I went to India to do that. I um, went and studied the, uh, at a mystery school in New Zealand where we study cosmology, astrology. You know, I went and... Wow. sort out some of the most prolific teachers I could find and asked questions. I just kept asking. And, you know, now I'm here in the Gold Coast. I moved here a month ago. I found, like I said, the Brotherhood Gold Coast group of guys. Have they done what I've done? No. But are they doing phenomenal things? Yes. And, you know, we sit and we talk and we chat. And I see these 20-year-old guys like, oh, Tyron, you're so smart. Like, tell me this. And I'm like, I'm not smart. I am dumb. I just ask a lot of questions mm. and they're like, yeah, but you're not going to learn anything at this circle. And I was like, I am, I'm learning something from every one of you. I'm learning how you perceive the world. I'm learning how you perceive the world. I'm learning how you perceive the world. And then I, I, I take that in and go, well, when I was 21, how did I perceive the world? And I'm like, you guys are, you guys are 20 years ahead of me compared to where I was mm -hmm. at that age, you know, like, so 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I know what I know, but I don't know that much. Yeah. And it's so it's, uh, it's, it's a real superpower to be able to say, Hey, I, I have this big wealth of knowledge and experience, but that never actually plays a role in how I perceive relationships or how I perceive mm. communication, because I'm always sitting there trying to learn when you say that to yourself. And I believe that's what you say. That's why you told the guy, Hey, I'm learning from you guys right now. I'm learning all the mm. time. Like, I think that is something that if men take anything away from this episode, even all the other things we're going to talk about, that's a huge piece is to just always kind of defer to the fact that you're always learning something, you know? So I love that brother. Always. And that's what emotions teach me, right? If I'm getting jealous or angry, that is mm -hmm. showing me something about myself. So that's the opportunity to reflect. You're a mind reader too, because I was just going to take you down the road of emotions on that and be like, yeah, how do we, so playing into this, being the student, how do we learn more to become masters, if you will, of our emotions, or at least, um, at least being able to control the emotions to the effect that they represent us in the way we want to be seen? Yeah. Beautiful question. Um, it's a, it's a long journey. (laughs) It's a lifelong journey. You know, one of the things I remember, my, my granddad was an alcoholic and he joined Alcoholics Anonymous uh, around the time I was born. And so, you know, I, I got the best of my granddad, but he, he died 12 years ago. But by the time I was an adolescent, you know, he'd been sober for 10 or 11 years by that stage. And so he'd had peers and mentors and, and, and he'd been a mentor for other people. And, you know, I'm passionate and fiery and excited by life because I'm still 35 and I've done all these things and I've done certain things and, and I've learned to cultivate that energy. My granddad was calm. You know, he was a 60, 70 year old calm guy who never really got shuffled off his, you know, he didn't get too excited. And I still reflect on time with him as like, you know, that's a man, you know, like that's a, he, you know, he was there for his family and he fucked up a lot. Don't get me wrong. You know, he was an alcoholic for a long time. But mm-hmm. he was constantly, I don't want to say repenting. I hate that word. He was constantly trying to make himself better. You know, he was constantly yeah. trying to, to improve on the, on thing that he, the, the, the mistakes that he'd made. And I was very lucky in that. Um, and so, you know, I've realized that emotions drive action. Everything that we do comes from an emotion. And when we as men suppress our emotion and try to deny it and, and ignore it, we're ignoring a lesson. We're ignoring something that is showing and teaching us something. And so I have this concept where we zoom in and zoom out, right? Like I mean, if we go dark and light, dark masculine zooms in, is very present and his emotion is very intense. The light masculine can zoom out and look at the big picture, you know, it can kind of like, all right, well, how does this affect me over a long period of time? Or how important is this right now in the grand scheme of things? And so the ability to zoom in and zoom out is, is a superpower. That's the ability to go, okay, well, if I zoom out and I've had this emotion this time, this time, and this time, or this feeling in my belly of like, oh, I want to punch him in the face or, oh, I'm, I'm, I want to run away or, oh, I'm like, you know, I want to pull him down right now. Whoever this is, this person, I want to make them smaller. What is this showcasing, you know? Or if I'm in front of the computer, I'm trying to work and I'm getting bored, I'm on my phone, I'm procrastinating. I'm having a feeling and I don't want to address the feeling. So I'm sidetracking myself. Mm. So, First thing is to not make any emotions wrong, right? Jealousy is not wrong. Sadness is not wrong. Anger is not wrong. Insecurity is not wrong. 
happiness is not wrong. Joy is not wrong. You know, you can be excited and happy. People go, calm down. You're too excited. You're like, no, no, I'm allowed to be excited, man. I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So emotions aren't wrong. They're a lesson. They're they're a teacher. And I've got a a map that that I normally run. It's like state of consciousness. So an emotion or an experience leads to a state of consciousness because what happens is we create a meaning or a story around that experience or that emotion. And so mm. there's this infinite loop of like, you know, we have an experience, we create a story, the story creates a deeper emotion, the emotion, and then we create another meaning around it. And so it's this constant infinite loop of, of meaning that we create. And it's really important to know what are the triggers, what triggers the emotion, what triggers the story. And then how do we either, if it's, if it's a supportive one, keep doing it. You know, if it's supporting you living in happiness and joy and pleasure and love, keep doing it. If it's one that's taking you away from love. Okay. Well, why is it doing that? How, how can I, how can I get back into love? Cause I mean, you would know this Johnny. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people listening would, when you're in love, the whole world is magic, right? Like if you, mm-hmm. you know, when, when that, that feeling of love, when you've got with you, whether it's your partner, your child, you may just made a yeah. wicked sale, made a hundred grand, whatever it is, when you're, when you're feeling love and open, the whole world takes on a different color you know, a different meaning. Yeah. Um, and when we're not in that love feeling, that feeling of love, and I'm not talking about the light fluffy feel, I'm talking like that fucking heart open, like, oh my God, the world is a scary place. Well, all of a sudden, that's when we want to start taking because we're not in an mm. abundant place. So that's, that's, you know, that's why people say practice gratitude. There's many ways to do it. But yeah, when I'm in love, the whole world's magic. And when I'm not in love, the world sucks. And so I try to get myself so, in, in that feeling. And those emotions. So when we're tapping into ourselves and what I'm hearing is, is obviously paying attention first, creating zero judgment for emotions, right? Like that's something that we should, we should be doing. And then the yep. second thing is to acknowledge that motion. And then the moment or the experience or, um, you know, whatever it is that's around that emotion in creating that in us. Right. And, and being able to acknowledge that. And then that is, helping us to understand more of yeah. what it feels like to us. And then it also yeah. helps us to discern what actions or inactions need to be taken. Correct. Sure. So like, I'll give you a real prime example, right? I've got a, a, a mate of mine who, you know, um, does business as well. And he's had some phenomenal months, right? He's in this, this, this place of creating heaps of content. He's had like four or 500 grand months in a row. He's doing really well. Now I experience jealousy in that, right? I, I do. I'll fully acknowledge he's he's my best yeah. mate, uh, but I experience jealousy because I'm not doing 100 grand months. Mm-hmm. Now I can view that jealousy as like, well, he's he's done this wrong or he's a piece of shit or blah blah. blah. I could use it to pull him down and make him smaller, which is pretty common in our world of, around men. Yeah. Or I could observe that jealousy and go, okay, I'm jealous. Why am I jealous? Well, he's got something that I want. He's doing something that I wish I was doing. And I go, okay, well, mm. what does jealousy mean to me? It means it makes me feel less than. All right, well, if I don't view it as uh, him actually trying to put me down, because that's, that's how we typically view it through the lens, I view it as he's showing me that it's possible. And all I need to do is mm. observe how he's doing it and go, okay, how do I replicate that for myself in my own way? Not to beat him or to, but to like, guess what? There's more money in the world. I could do a hundred grand months as well. And he's not going to lose his hundred grand months, you know? And, I think yeah. that's the abundant mindset. 
your success doesn't take away from my success. The love you mm. have in the world doesn't take away from the love I can have. The money you get doesn't take away from the money I can get. And so I go, cool. Well, I'm going to use that as inspiration because I know when I'm doing hundred grand months, I'll be like, Hey, let's go on a fucking holiday. Let's go buy a yacht. Let's go fucking blah, 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 or whatever it is I want to do because I've used his success as motivation. Um, so the jealousy is real. It's how I choose to respond to the jealousy. And that's a power, mm. that's a power move. So when you understand your emotions and where they come from, then it drives positive action in your own, in your own life. Yeah. And you can, and you can take full accountability for the action that you have, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're no longer in the victim mentality. You're in a victor, right? I have this little <laughs> saying victim is like they're both it's only the last two letters that are different right so what's the difference victim and victor i am internal meaning or outward responsibility right like internal meaning i make it about me victim oh it's all about me it's my fault like it's like oh it's it's an attack on me or it's a thing about me outward responsibility well i take responsibility and i'm going to do something about it in the outward you know like i'm going to take an outward motion Mm, yeah, that's beautiful, man. I love that. That's a good, that's a good golden nugget there too. That's easy to remember. I love, I love that's how you see it. Um, yeah. so when we're expanding on emotions, what is mm -hmm. now, how do we take this and give this to guys in a way that expands on their sexuality and their relationship? Right. Because I think mm -hmm. that's the next step to this is to, cause this is another thing that I know you're passionate about and you help men with mm -hmm. is figuring out how to have these longer, deeper, better relationships coming from a guy who had had like no long-term relationships at one point in his life. No, I think, I think I spent about was it six, seven years having one night stands like seven years without wow. a relationship, you know, just, and most of those, most of those were like literally probably had sex one time drunk or, you know, whatever, like very little sober sex, very little second time sex, you know, so, um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, the, so the, it, it comes back to like the Tantra type stuff that I was talking about and to keep, you know, to keep it super simple, right. Tantra is the study of right. energy. And so the biggest thing you can do as any, as anyone, man, male or female, but we're talking to the dudes, the biggest thing you can do as a man is to, um, master your own, like to master your emotional state is to master your self-pleasure practice, right? When you watch porn and you jerk off in two minutes, Right. We do it because most men jerk off because they don't want to feel something. They're feeling anxious. They're feeling scared. They're feeling whatever. So they jerk off to porn or they jerk off. They come, they get this dopamine hit, which is awesome. It feels great. I'm pro like, you know, ejaculation. I'm pro sex. I'm pro everything uh, in that realm. But it's like when it's practice makes permanent. So when you're feeling emotion and you do that, you're not allowing yourself to feel. Um, you're trying to move through it. So sound, breath, and movement are the three things that move energy, right? And emotion is energy in motion. And if you don't allow it to move through the system, then it gets stagnant. And this is what creates dis-ease, disease, right? It's mm -hmm. disease in the body. So like, you know, that's why guys that train or exercise or work out, they, they feel better about their lives because they're sound, breath, and movement. You're in the gym, you're like and you're trying to press the weight and you know you're moving your body you're sounding you're breathing all these things push and move energy through the body um and so you know sound breath and movement whether it's shaking sounding like just taking some really long deep breaths my dad always did the like 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, before he would, <laughs> before he would then yell at us. Um, yeah. But it was taking that breath, which probably made it a lot better than what it would have if he hadn't taken that one breath, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, like when, when you understand yourself, you can show up to the relationship so much better, right? So rather than being reactive to an emotion and then yelling at your partner or yelling at your workmate or yelling at your whatever, when you can take even 30 seconds, right? And you just go sound, breath and movement. You shake, you breathe, you take it, you let out a sound. I do it all the time. I just fucking like, like something like that. I just shake, I move, I whatever, because the initial tension is gone. And then I can kind of address it with a little bit more consciousness. Um, but like when you're full, when your cup is full constantly, you only want to give love, right? Mm. And people say, oh, a cup half full, a cup empty. I don't believe in that saying. Because if you only look at the cup that's half full, you are denying the fact that half your cup is actually empty. I'd rather mm. fill my cup up and give from an overflowing cup. I'm like, how do I give a fuck yeah. if it's half full? If, it, if it's half full and half empty, how do I fill it up and then give more? Like, that's what I, that's what I want to do. I love that. So um, f- fill your cup. Like, do what you need to do to fill your cup. Um, and for me, self-pleasure is the greatest thing. Like, can, and it, it's weird when you get started. Don't get me wrong. It's really weird yeah. to like, you know, the first practice I give everyone in my mentorships is basically, all right, no porn, no sex, no masturbation, no nothing. Even if you're married one week, blindfold yourself and self-pleasure for 20 minutes without touching mm. your dick. That's the first practice I give everyone that pretty much came through my previous mentorships because that is a way to connect with yourself and you'll get frustrated. You'll get weird. You'll be like, Oh, this is weird. I don't want to do this. I don't, I've got other things to do. You've got more important things to do than to just take 20 minutes and be with yourself and just like, Hey buddy, how you doing? What's going on? I love you. You know, like sound, breath and movement. It's such an important thing. It's so simple. Um, and like when you understand where your emotions live, what they are, how they feel, what, what your response is, you can communicate that to your partner so much easier with so much more mm. like wholesomeness and she's going to love and respect you from that so much more because that's all she wants. All she wants is some emotional depth. And the more you suppress and contract and shut down, the more disconnected you become, the more separate you feel. And now you're no longer in this loving, fruitful relationship like you were at the beginning where you fell in love and everything was great. And you told each other everything and the sex was wild and now you've just become these two individuals that don't share anything because you're afraid of upsetting the other one. Mm, yeah. And so what? Th- there's another piece to this that I want you to open up about too, because uh, you kind of alluded to it where guys are like, oh, I got other things to do. Like I can't be wasting time doing this. But mm. there's that holding that, getting that sexual energy to move in you with, with especially through internal ejaculation, right? Like- can you talk about the power that that can actually have in your life and in your relationships? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you no longer need something from someone, right? So when you no longer need to ejaculate by from porn or ejaculate from with your partner or a woman, if even if you're single and you're like, Oh, I need to fuck something because I need to get this energy out. Right. I need to, I need to get it out. When you're no longer reliant on anyone or anything for your own sense of fulfillment, that's when you're indestructible. Right? That's when that's when you are fucking indestructible. So for me, the concept and like I think sex, like all right, a hundred billion dollars a year gets made in the porn industry, right? $150 billion a year gets made, gets spent on human trafficking, which is predominantly sex slaves. 
and $180 billion a year gets spent on prostitution. Mm. That's across the world. That's $430 billion a year that is predominantly driven by men's need to get sexual gratification. Mm. Wow. That's nearly half a trillion dollars a year, Johnny. Like that's a lot of fucking money, man. Yeah. And if you even break that down further, there's only like 7 billion people on the planet. Say we give a healthy, just do a half and half three. That's 3.5 billion men owning five. What'd you say? Five or 430 billion dollars. And then that's not to that. Let's look at men under eight, not men under 18 and not men over 60. So we're looking at like, you know, wow. Yeah. Predominantly men. Like don't get me wrong. Women watch porn as well, but like, that's how much, sure. You know, that's how much is spent. And let's be honest, a lot of third world countries, they don't have access to a lot of those things either, right? So you, we're narrowing the margin even more. And what, why do, wow. that, so this is for me, why men's sexuality is really important because like it's the last piece, right? It's the thing that you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the power in the world. And we've seen it with the men in power, like their sex, the sexuality thread that constantly gets, gets like, you know, named is just this piece that men refuse to be able to master. And it's the shadowiest part of our, of our human experience. And so when you can master that thing, the thing that most of people, most men in the world can't get a hand on, you are the master of your domain. Like it gives you so much energy. And so I'm not talking about, you know, the masculine feminine fucking in there, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't give a, like, I do care about that, but even let's just forget about that for a minute. When you are no longer needing, spending so much time and energy and effort and money trying to get that need from something, you have so much more time, resources, and energy to then do other things with your life. Mm. And that's where the power lies. Like, yes, I, the, we can talk about the practices and the, the chi and the prana and the blah, blah, blah. But forget about that for now. Let's just focus on the time and money. Like if you counted how much time you spend on your phone, looking at porn, jerking off, going on Tinder dates, trying to get fucking, you know, like blah, 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 whatever, like trying to get that one need met as a man. And you, and you put 50% of that time into one thing, you'd be a master at it in like four years. Wow, man. That's such a great perspective, brother. I love that. I think there's yeah. a lot of a lot of validity and a lot of power to owning that as well and, and seeing how much, I mean, if someone can really imagine what you just said, they could make profound changes in income, in job happiness, in relationship happy, like just so many different things. So I love that, yeah. brother. I love that you shared it. And I love that you you have it that way. So dude, I mean, it is such a fun time talking with you, brother. We're already getting towards the end of this and, uh, <laughs> it makes me sad cause I love chatting with you and there's so many more different things we could go into, but you are a, in my opinion, you're, you're one of the, and I know that we just met, but I've done a lot looking into you and, um, <laughs> you are one of the men out there that I look up to in this men's development space. I think a lot of men can learn from you and you have so many different offerings, but you're also a dude, which is, is kind of few and far between, especially with men yeah. that have a lot of your, your experience now, like your practices. So 
I want to open up the door real quick. And then um, I really want to open up to your 12 month program, but I want to open up the door to talk about a little bit what you got going on. Um, what guys can jump into as far as your offerings, how they can improve their lives. And then we'll jump into what your big, your big piece is. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks, man. Yeah. I've, you know, I've, um, look, I've failed so many times at trying to do this men's coaching, coaching thing, you know, like I've been at it professionally for three years now and I've had Facebook groups running and different programs running and, um, you know, I get tired and I, and I feel like, you know, when, when you have something people want, they, they're trying to get it from you. And I burnt myself out a lot. And, um, you know, the last four months, I actually took a lot of time off just going, I can't keep running things the way I'm running because I can't give the way that I'm giving, right? Like it's, it's, it's kind of draining me. Um, so, you know, I want to, I obviously like social media is like, you know, all the contents on there, go and go and find it and follow and do the things. But um, yeah, the, the embodied entrepreneur is the thing. Um, I, I just love helping the best that I can. You know, I reply to all my inbox messages as quickly as I can still, that's still, you know, I still do that. Um, there are, there are so many men's groups out there and like there, I see it again and again, like there's so many people go, I don't know where to look. It's like, I didn't even know men's work existed until I started looking for it, you know, like, um, yeah. it's, there's so many men's groups and like a quick Google search or a quick Facebook search, you'll find groups, you'll find Facebook groups and pages. Um, I am in the process of opening up the embodied man, um, Facebook group, you know, it's still, I'm, I'm trying to build the foundations of it so that when it opens, it's, it's actually easy to manage and easy to run. Um, but yeah, that's going to be up and coming soon. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there are everyone is your mentor and everyone can be your peer right and i think if you look at life through that lens it doesn't matter if you are in contact with me or johnny or other people out there it's like everyone is your teacher if you can humble yourself enough to go all right what am i learning from this person what are they showcasing to me um but yeah i yeah there's the, the facebook the instagram the social media accounts all those things there's there's plenty of content out there from me and other people um I've kind of gone off tangent. I'm sorry. I forgot. What no, you're exactly good. No, you're good, was. brother. But you got, you got some great, you got some great stuff going on. Um, you have the, the beast to priest program. You have your, mm. your cultivate your King. And then I love this one, your tantric tradie, which I, I, I love the, <laughs> the picture you put for that too. But um, just touch a little bit on what, what guys can get maybe from, from those. And then like what sure. they, what they're going to take out of that. Yeah. All right. Sure. So um, beast and priest is exactly what I was talking about, light and dark, masculine, like the beast representing that dark, primordial, passionate, fiery, let's get in the mud, let's roll around, let's fuck things without worrying about anything. And the priest is the, is the devoted, conscious, aware, um, you know, I give all of myself to one thing, you know, and priest energy has a lot of connotations around it, obviously, but for me, it's really beautiful and pure in the sense of it will devote itself to something that it believes uh, is above what it is. You know, a priest is quite humble in mm. a sense of like, I am a servant. So um, yeah, Beast and Peace program, it's three weeks. It's online. It's a bunch of practices and teachings and recordings in that. We've done with my mate Paisley Hart, who is a queer artist, muso dude. You know, he's, he's really into the theatrics of it all. He's got a beautiful transmission. Um, Cultivate Your King is actually a, a women's program, which I did um, to help women um, have better relationships with men and masculinity. Right? A lot of women have been hurt by men, which which is our, our fault, right? Like we've done that, you know, as yeah. as men. 
And so what happens is this, this separation continues to create, like we're hurt by women, women are hurt by us, and we just constantly keep them playing out this painful piece. So Cultivate Your King was a women's mm-hmm. program um, to help them heal their relationship with men. And the Tantric Trader, yeah, that's that's going to be an all-in uh, prac thing. And uh, that's going to be just a deep six-week Tantric practice, like, you know, again, the blindfold thing plus others, um, all teaching you how to master your sexuality to become a, you know, become a tantric tradie, like a, an everyday dude that can ejaculate and make his woman squirt all over the bathroom or kitchen. And, you know, like it's, it's, you know, how to have internal orgasms and full body orgasms and how to have lightning bolts coming out of your fucking spine and all the weird <laughs> cool shit. Um, yeah. It's really hard it. to explain, but it's all, it's all a step-by-step process. You know, you gotta, you gotta cut a few things out of your life and then start going week by week. So that'll be coming up in, um, well, I think the next one's in about two or three months. Um, that'll be a big, okay. uh, like, taught live in a private Facebook group or, you know, online thing. And, um, yeah, step-by-step process. And then your, your one that is going to be, your one that's on the cusp is the 12-month mm-hmm. um, mentorship, the Embodied Entrepreneur. Talk about yeah. that a little bit and what guys are going to receive from that. Yeah. So the embodied entrepreneur is like the pinnacle of everything that I've learned for the last kind of seven years wrapped into one mentorship. So it's a 12 month commitment, but obviously you can stay longer if you want. Um, and we'll be bringing you guys in every month. So that follows my five, but like basically it's, it's a way to master your masculinity and it's called the embodied entrepreneur because I see so many men or entrepreneurs specifically like entrepreneurs are already game changers, right? They already know that they've got a start doing things differently to get a different result and so they're already on this journey and also they're kind of already leaders in a sense right they're already they've they've Mm -hmm. cut away from the norm they're not doing the nine to five or they're not doing this and entrepreneurship is a mindset it's not necessarily the fact that you own a business it's a mindset if you think outside the box you're an entrepreneur in my in my opinion Mm -hmm. so that's a 12-month mentorship we follow my five-step um or my my five-module program which is like health is number one happiness is number two your relationships are number three your passion is number four passion is all about identity right like when you know who the fuck you are you know what what makes you excited and then business or wealth is number five because if you're not healthy life becomes hard right Mm -hmm. if you don't know how to manage your physical emotional and mental health then life becomes so much more challenging than it is so that's that's keystone number one Happiness is number two. When you know how to deal with your emotional, like the emotional voluptuous, uh, volcanic stuff that happens in life and you can stay in your center and you can, you know, again, fill your cup when you can keep filling your cup. So your cup is full and you can overflow it all the time. Then everything else in life. So you're healthy and you're happy. Life becomes a whole lot easier to manage, right? Then your relationships. Yeah. And when you know how to human really well, you know, when you know how to engage with someone, you know how to create healthy polarity and you can dance and play and create tension. And, you know, again, when you're happy and healthy, your relationships become easier to work on. But then when you manage the relationships and they become this other source of like fulfillment, then it's really easy to find what makes you passionate and realize who you are. And relationships show us a lot about who we are. So using relationships also as a mirror. So yeah, then we go into passion, which is identity, right? And a lot of people live in this around ego. And so there's three identities. There is the the body, the mind, and the soul. And so the body and the mind is where most people live. And that creates your ego or your personality. Now we need that in the world. I'm not, I'm not anti-ego. We need egos. Mm-hmm. But when it's disconnected from the soul, 
it becomes really, really dangerous. And this is where we get caught in this whole like, oh, more, 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 more. I need to be bigger, bigger, more, more. And, it, you know, we're actually unfulfilled. You'd be earning 50 mil a year, but you're unsatisfied with life. Why? Because you're not in touch with your soul. It's actually not nourishing this other aspect of who mm -hmm. you are. So passion is all about identity and we go into that. And then we go into business. And I don't teach business strategies, you know. It's like when the other four are aligned and then we go into business or we go into wealth or abundance, that's when things start to flow like fucking magic. And when we have an abundance in that area, we can go back to health. Why? Because now we got more time. We got more money. So we can buy organic. We can actually look after ourselves in a different way. We can start doing better rehab. We can start, you know, taking a day off just to let the body and the mind and the emotional body just relax, you know, like, so then we, we go again. So 12 mm -hmm. months, you go through the whole system twice. Um, there's a seven day retreat. There's a couple of online events and, um, you're a part of an epic group of men that are, that are making change and, and being leaders in the world. That's amazing. That sounds like a phenomenal program, brother. And I know that probably took you quite a while to develop and build, <laughs> but I'm super stoked for you to be getting that out, man. That's really cool. Thanks. Well, yeah, yeah. everybody listening, check out, check out Tyron. Um, He's got obviously amazing stuff going on. The 12 month program would be super dope to be part of. If you're a dude looking for real, real expansion, real internal growth and actually changing your life. And then for you, brother, your last question, before I let you get on with your beautiful Thursday is mm. what does the art of masculinity mean to you? Mm. Uh, I think it's uh, it means to me that masculinity is not actually defined or restricted by one aspect um i view art as a continual unfolding of you know new developments new shapes new realizations and so when you know when i hear the art of masculinity and and i and i've listened to some of your podcasts and what you're creating it's like showing that there are many colors there are many shapes there are many you know different uh descriptions and and um portraits of what masculinity can look like and there is no one way now, there are some that we will appeal to others and there are others that will appeal to some. And, you know, and actually that's the gift of it is that there is no right or wrong. There's can be considered healthy and unhealthy, but um, we get to paint our own picture. And that's what I like. About mm. it. That's what it means to me. Beautiful, beautifully said, brother. I love that, man. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom, your experience, brother. We'll have to have you back on the show because I know there's so much more you and I could dive into. Um, but such a blast having you on here, brother. And to everybody listening, as always, remember, you guys can find everything for Tyron on the show notes. Uh, check that out. We're going to link all his programs. We'll link his website and everything else there. And as always, remember to drop the ego and stay humble until next time, guys.